book of Luke, chapter number 15. If you found it, say praise the Lord. Verse number 20. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. Isn't that an awesome, isn't that an awesome passage of scripture right there? While he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. Amen. That's not my message, but I like it so much, I'm going to say it again. While he was yet a great, aren't you glad that even when you're a long way from where you're supposed to be, that your father still sees you? Isn't that awesome? Not only did he see him, but notice this next phrase, and had compassion. It's one thing to have judgmental eyes looking at you. But it's a whole different matter when you have merciful eyes looking at you. His father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven. And in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Praise God. He was lost and is found. Aren't you thankful that the verb changed? And they began to be married. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. I know you, how you can hear music, but he didn't just hear music, he heard music and dancing. I want to preach for a while tonight. Can you hear the dance? Look at somebody and ask him, say, can you hear the dance? Look at somebody else and ask him, can you hear the dance? Brother, Brother Aaron, don't go too far, okay? As a matter of fact, don't go anywhere. Lord, I ask you tonight for the anointing of the Holy Ghost to be in this place. God, I am believing you for prodigals to come home. God, for people that it seems they're a long way off, I'm believing you for them to come back people that we prayed for, fasted for, trusted you for, longed for, worried about, cried about, fretted about. I'm believing you're going to send them back, Lord, in Jesus' name. God, I believe, I believe it and I proclaim it to be so right now in Jesus' name. That by this time next week, there'll be miracles standing Let me be anointed to preach and anoint our ears to hear. God, I'm asking you to do in this place what your word said you would do, a quick work in Jesus' name. And everybody said, give the Lord a good hand clap of praise tonight. And you can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Life around the house had not been the same for a long time. The dark cloud of depression and sadness hovered over the father like a dense fog. 
Smiling didn't come easy. The creases in his face were locked into frowns. Happiness seemed like a long lost and elusive friend. Gladness was hard to find. Every day the father would sit on the veranda watching the long winding road, peering at the horizon, his mind remembering the sad day that he watched the image of his youngest son disappear. His impetuous boy decided he wanted to move far away and asked for his inheritance early. The worst part of it was that he did not know how his son was. Is he doing well? Is he in trouble? Is he healthy? Had the father known the boy was destitute, living in a pig pen, he would have gone to get him, brought him home. But the father didn't know his condition and didn't know where he was. Day by day, he remembered watching his son walk the long road away. This particular day started off like all the other days. A quiet, lonely breakfast, a few necessary errands, and then the, the sad walk back to the veranda to watch the untraveled road. A repeated day like all the other days. A morning just like every morning had been spent since the day the boy had left. I want every backslider to know whether you're in the house tonight or whether you're watching by way of electronic media, I want you to know that it's never the same without you. Let me tell someone in this place who knows you're away from God tonight that it hurts the heart of God every time that somebody walks away from him. And can I tell you that just like the father on the veranda that God is watching over the precipice of heaven looking down that aisle hoping for you to walk back home tonight. The day we read about in our scripture text was the same as the last many days had been. But on this day, the father looked up down the road and saw the familiar gait of his youngest son walking his way back home. The father got up and with one glimpse of his son, all the depression and all the darkness and all the sadness dissipated. And the joy flooded his heart. The Bible said the father ran to meet him to shorten the distance between father and son. He didn't wait on the porch rehearsing all the I told you so's. All the I know, I knew what was going to happen. All the judgmental words about the last years and days that had been spent away from the father's house. All of the I told you so's melted into joy and gladness as the father ran to his son, fell on his neck, and kissed him. The return of the prodigal son set off a celebration of epic proportions. There was a fatted calf that had been prepared for this very day. And on this day, that calf was slain, and the party was started. Bring the fatted calf, for my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost, but is found. A time to celebrate. Can I tell you, anytime somebody finds their way home to God, it's a moment of celebration for the church. Amen. The Bible said they began to be merry. They started rejoicing. The celebration had begun. At some point during the party, the elder son had been out in the field hunting, farming, whatever he was doing. And as he drew nigh to the house, the Bible said that he heard a sound that hadn't been heard in a long, long time. There had been no singing. There had been no shouting. There had been no music. There had been no dancing since the day that his brother had left. But the Bible said in Luke 15 and 25, now his elder son was in the field. And as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. He walked over the crest of the hill and the sound of the music touched his ears. The Bible said, 
as he drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. The music filled his ears, but the Bible doesn't say that he only heard music. It said that he heard music and dancing. I know how you hear music, the vibration of the strings, the beat of the drum, the burst of air from the horns, but how do you hear the dance? The Greek word for dance in this particular passage is the word koros. It means to be in a circle or in a ring. It is a dance of people dancing together. It is the typical dance you think about when you think about the Jewish dancing. When you see people together holding hands or locked arms as they celebrate and they worship and they rejoice. The circle dance is a tool for the expression of joy and is believed to have had a therapeutic effect. The rabbis said that this particular dance purifies the soul, that there's something about this dance that connects to the soul and purifies from it all of the anxiety and the fear and the dread. This particular dance was adopted by the Jews after the diaspora, where the Jews were forced from Israel, made to find refuge in other parts of the world, but their heart always longed to be back home. This dance was an expression of their desire to worship at the Temple Mount and to praise God. The circle dance was a form of dancing that reflected the joy of a people who had returned to their homeland. The circle dance proclaimed, I was lost, but now I'm found. I was dead, but now I am alive. It was a dance of redemption, of renewal, of restoration. When you heard the music to this dance, you didn't have to see the dance to know what they were doing. When you heard this particular music and this particular song, you didn't have to see it, but you could hear and know exactly what was going on in the father's house. The elder brother came over the hill from the field, and as he gets close, he hears the sound of music, and he knows somebody has been restored. Somebody that was lost has been found. Somebody that is away, that was away, came back home. He can't hear the dance, but he can hear the music and knows that something has happened at the Father's house. Amen. Brother Patton, you prophesied it, that I had my work cut out for me. God never let this church forget that we were lost. And now we're found. That we were away, but you brought us home. That we were distant, but you brought us near. God, let us never forget the wonder of our return from exile. Help us never forget the wonder that we were in the pig pen, but you brought us out and set us free. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. I, I tell you folks all the time, I'm not a singer. But I'm a rapper. I don't sing songs, but I sure quote them. And one of my favorite songs from the old book days was My Heart Was Distressed. Any of you old folks know this song? I know none of you young folks know it. My heart was distressed neath Jehovah's dread frown, low in the pit where my sin dragged me down. I cried to the Lord from the deep miry clay. You know what miry clay is? Mire is, is mud, it's clay that, that is so mucky and so sticky that when you step in it, it won't turn you loose. It's a metaphor for what sin does in somebody's life. That once it grabs a hold of you, it tries to keep you. And he said, I cried to the Lord from the deep miry clay who tenderly brought me out to golden day. And then the chorus says, he brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on a rock to stay. He put a song in my soul today, a song of his praise. Look, I never want to forget what God has brought me out of. Amen. I never want to forget 
how far he had to bring me, how far he had to reach to pick me up, all the stuff he had to turn around to get me out of sin and bring me back home. Oh, yes. When, I fir- when we first come to God, we get a taste of his heavenly gift and worship. We don't have to be begged to worship because we remember very well the pit that we had been brought out of. It, had just, it was just a few hours for some folks. I like the fact that we baptize people just about every week. Almost every week we're giving out baptism certificates. I'm glad I got to give another one out this morning. Amen. And when that happens, we are so thankful because we know that it's not been but just a few hours, maybe a few days since somebody was bound in sin, but then God brought them out. And when God brings you out like that, you don't have to be begged to worship. Amen. When you know what condition you were in and all of a sudden you've been delivered and set free. God, help us to never lose the dance at Bethlehem. God, help us not to become so sophisticated that we forget how to celebrate when somebody's sins are washed away. Amen. I'd like to have another dance tonight. I'd like to have another shout tonight. Watch somebody walk that aisle, lift their hands, and be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Go down in water in Jesus' name. I'd like to see it one more time. Hey, can, I told, I, my, my, my office all Sunday afternoon is like a revolving door. When I, when, when I go back to my office from lunch, I just turn the lock off because I know that if I don't, I'm going to be getting up about 20 times. And I told somebody this afternoon, I said, I said I'm going to try my best to be nice tonight. I said, because I was so hard on folks this morning, I'm going to try to be sweet tonight just to balance it out a little bit. But let me just tell you something right now. I don't want to get so sophisticated and so grown up in my faith that I forget how to worship God for my deliverance. I don't want to forget what it feels like to walk out of darkness and into light, out of bondage and into freedom, out of chains and into liberty. God, help me not to outgrow my worship. There ought to be a sound of a dance that comes out of the house of God when people that were lost are found. Can you remember what you were bound by? Do you remember what it felt like when the Holy Ghost reached down and picked you up? Hallelujah. Oh, Lord Jesus. The children of Israel have been slaves in Egypt for 430 years. Servants under the hard hand of their taskmasters. Hated, mistreated, despised. But God never intended for them to be slaves forever. In the process of time, God raised up Moses to lead them to deliverance. Finally, Israel came to the Red Sea and Pharaoh and Egypt's army were closing in. It appeared to be no mistake. Has anybody ever been brought out of sin and feel like the devil's hunting you down and feel like no matter how fast you are, you're not fast enough to outrun his chariots and no matter how hard you row, that you're not going to be able to get away? Let me tell you, the devil's a liar. And when God brings you out, he intends for you to be stay brought out. When God brings you out of sin, he intends for you to stay delivered. There's not a person in this place that God's not big enough to keep. Amen. Your addiction's not going to get you back. Your alcoholism's not going to get you back. God is able to keep you. Israel had tasted the sweet taste of deliverance. And in just a few moments, it appeared. In just a few hours of walking, it appeared to them as if their freedom was short-lived and they were going to go down in in slavery and bondage one more time. But it was at that time that God told Moses, stretch forth your rod. And when he held his rod over the sea, the Red Sea rolled back and the ground dried up. They didn't have to walk through the miry clay to get out. They walked through dry ground. And when they got... When the, last each, when the last Israelite got to the other side of that Red Sea, as soon as that last footprint of God's people hit the Red Sea, that water crashed down and it swallowed up the Egyptians uh, and Miriam got her tambourine out and she began to sing the horse and his rider as he cast into the sea. <laughs> oh, yes. There was a praise service going on. Hallelujah. 
let, let, me, let me read it to you. Exodus 15 and 20. And Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a timbrel in her hand. And all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dances. Can I read that to you in the literal Torah? Here's what the Torah says. And Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took the timbrel in her hand. And all the women went out after her with tambourines and with circle dances. The same dance that the prodigal son celebrated when he got home. The same dance that was celebrated in Luke 15 was the dance they danced on the banks of the Jordan River all those centuries before. Because he said, you were in bondage, but you've been brought out. You were in Egypt, but now you've been set free. And the same dance they did back then, they did it again. Let me tell you, I don't need a new form of worship. I just need to get my dance back. I don't need some new thing. I don't need some wild thing. All I need is to get my dance back. I don't need these lights to worship. I just need to get my feet moving again. And remember, I was lost, but now I'm found. Hallelujah. And so we have Old and New Testament together in this circle dance, if you will. Fast forward now about a thousand years from Miriam and the day of Israel had longed for. For 40 years, the Ark of the Covenant was being brought back to Israel. And when they brought the Ark back, the Bible said that they walked six paces and they danced before the Lord with all of their might. They were dancing and worshiping because the ark that was gone is now being brought back. And may I tell you that every time the presence of God moves, there ought to be dancing in the house of God. Can we just call it like it is? Well, God don't have to have all that. We don't need all that. Let's just call that like it is. That's an excuse to be lazy. That's an excuse to give our flesh a chance just to sit back and say, well, I don't have to act that way. We're too dignified. Let me tell you what we need is an old-fashioned upper room experience that drags us down to an altar and baptizes us with fresh anointing and fresh fire and fresh vision and fresh power. Every time the ark moves, there ought to be dancing that happens. When you see the hand of God begin to move in a service, it ought to be spontaneous. There ought to be something that happens. I watched it happen tonight. Uh, you, you saw it. You came and told. Yeah, I watched it happen tonight that when the Holy Ghost started moving. Amen. Sister Murphy, come on down here. And she began to worship God. And in just a minute, in just a minute, there was somebody on her right hand and somebody on her left hand, and they were shouting and worshiping God. What they didn't know is they were doing the exact same thing they did on the Red Sea. And they did the sack, the exact same thing that happened in the prodigal son's home. Because worship like that never goes out of style. It may not be fancy. Ah. My God, I feel, something about to, I feel something about to overtake me right now. God's going to have to help this 50-year-old body because I don't know how much more I can take right now. But when something begins to move, it's an ancient worship that started at the banks of the Red Sea and moved its way on the road to Jerusalem and found its way in the prodigal son's house. lot more preaching to do, but I'm going to come to a close. I'm going to get down here in the mosh pit where if I get hurt, it's my own fault. Can, can you throw that picture up on the wall for me? Before I get in the mosh pit, let me get my glasses so I can see. If you're going to get hurt, you want to see what's coming. See this man? His name is Adolik Khan. At this point, he is 89 years old. You see, his shirt says survivor. What you don't know is that he's standing in front of one of the ovens at Auschwitz concentration camp. Mr. Kahn was a Polish Jew. When the Nazis overran, 
They put him and his family in a ghetto in Poland. And then in short order, they sent them to the concentration camp. Now, no, not now, but then, 63 years later, he goes back to the place where he was a prisoner. And he puts on the shirt that says survivor. And he lifts his hand with the victory sign to say, when you thought you were going to kill me, I'm still here. When you thought my story was over, here I am. What you intended to destroy me, it didn't kill me. It made me stronger. Here I am. I got the victory. Hitler's in his grave. The Nazi party's destroyed. Berlin was in ruins, but I'm still here. I made it. What tried to kill me is gone. And he went right back. He went right back to where, he th where the enemy thought, this is going to be your end. I'm going to get everything I can out of you, and then I'm going to put you in that oven, and I'm going to burn you up, and your story's going to be over. But here he is 63 years later. You're gone, but I'm here. You're out, but I'm here. But that's not the best part of the story. I want you to, I want you to play the clip if you can. Watch this. Now, now, now pause it for one second. I, I, I don't have my notes here to tell me what to do. That's him in the middle, 89 years old. That's his 53-year-old daughter on his left. And those three young people are his grandchildren. That when he was walking out of the concentration camp, he walked up to a, a group of Jews, and there was a lady in that group, and he began to talk to her. And a few weeks later, he married her, and then they moved to Australia. He had this daughter was never supposed to be born. He was supposed to die in his affliction. He was supposed to die. The enemy planned on him dying at Auschwitz. But it just positioned him to meet this lady's mama. And those are his grandchildren. And so they go back. That railroad, that rail that you see behind them is where he was loaded off of a train car, herded like cattle with 1,800 others that were delivered that day, like an animal brought out at those train tracks. And he, in, in the video, you can look it up online, he says, if, if, if you're dancing for life, you can dance anywhere, even at Auschwitz. And play, now play the video. Amen. I, I had them turn the sound off, but they're, they're dancing to the old, the old song, I Will Survive. Some of you people my age know you might remember that song. But that's at Dachau, the concentration camp. I walked down that, that, that ramp just a, a couple of years ago. But you see him dancing with his daughter. That's a statement of victory that you thought you had me defeated, but I still got my dance. I might not move as quick as I used to. I might have a little, I might be a little slower. But you didn't stop me. And not only did you not stop me, but look, I brought my family along. Let me tell you, if that man can dance where the enemy tried to kill him, there ought to be some dancing going on in Bethlehem tonight. Can you hear the dance? It's like, I need some help. I need, I need about five or six of y'all to get up here quick. There's two. How about some girls? A couple of you girls get up here. Amen. Amen. It's an ancient dance. Smart when she done got her shoes off. It's just like Miriam did. When they got to the Red Sea, the Torah said they got to the other side and they did a circle dance. They got in a circle and they just began to dance. I don't know what's going to happen. Nobody... The only one we expect to have any rhythm is Devin. Don't let us down. But let me tell you something. When you worship God, you are reviving the echoes of Miriam on the Red Sea. You're reminding Pharaoh, we're still here. Pharaoh's gone, but we're still here. 
I can dance. There's a shout. Look, there ought to be some. There ought to be something blowing up in Bethlehem right now. Somebody ought to find a shout because the devil thought he had you, but you're still. Somebody ought to have the victory dance. Can you hear the dance? I hear it. I hear the sound of deliverance. I hear the sound of victory. I hear the sound of joy. I hear the sound. The devil thought he had me, but I survived.
change and I profess it. Oh, God is doing great things in my life. And yes, he is. I'm not giving any glory to the devil. But I will tell you, he's been on my feet, uh, my trail. That song says the devil's been on my trail. Either the devil's been on my trail or the Lord's allowing it to get on my trail and do something. I don't know what it is. But tonight I really battled. And I'm like, God, why? And this morning I actually wrote in my book, what is my purpose? Why am I here? I know I'm here, and that's to praise Jesus. But this song says, I put Satan under my feet. I got the victory. Now, I heard Sister Sue Thomas said this. Sister Gail told us this at a um, life group. That whatever is bothering you or whatever you're fighting, write it on the bottom of your shoe. And then you, it's under your feet. So every time you praise, you're praising over whatever's attacking you. So whatever's attacking you tonight, whatever has you bound, write it on the bottom of your shoe and put Satan and what he's doing under your feet. I refuse to allow Satan to win. I'm just too stubborn and I'm not going to let it. So whatever is bothering you tonight, shout, take victory, put it under your feet, let go of it and let God do it. started attacking me right off the bat. He didn't want me to go. He tried to deter me. He tried to tell me, Craig, nobody's going to show up. There's no sense in this. Get out of the way. You're, you're being dumb. You know, All those things the devil tells you. Well, we went. There was a few of us showed up. We went to walking and we walked. The devil started fighting and then we started seeing people. Some of the people wouldn't come out of their house. And I'm talking about Lake Center, Mississippi, 15 miles up the road. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Probably 300 souls around that lake. Am I right, Jamie? 300 souls. There's a common thing that I noticed with the people that we come in contact with, though. Here's the common thing that we all have. We got a church to dance in tonight. We know the way. We know how to get here. Let me tell you the common thing I noticed in the people in Lake Center, Mississippi, late yesterday. They didn't even know we existed. They didn't even know we existed. That's on us. That's on us. That's on us. I'm challenging everyone here tonight to claim victory over that lake because there's our harvest. God has sent them. He sent them, but we got to go get them. We got to go get them. So claim victory over Lake Center, Mississippi with me tonight.
house and he's under the age of, let's say, 10 or 12 years old, if you've got a kid and you want to worship the Lord, let's clear out a space right here. This is the future of the church. In fact, this is the church today. We need to be an example for our kids. And if we, if we see our kids and they're at the altar dancing with us, when they're 18 and 19, they'll be in the altar with us. So let's clear this. If you could, play that again. again. This is for the children of, the, of Bethlehem Church. Let's dance. Maybe they need a little help, mamas. Is there some netties out here? Hallelujah. Yeah. I wonder if your wife is close by yet. If you can grab her hand. And we can dance together as a family. Woo! I got victory.